Good morning, church. It's so wonderful to see you through our digital means, joining us on Facebook, or excuse me, YouTube Live. Uh, it's good to see you, Ariel and uh, Connie and the Horns and Debbie, uh, Michelle and, and the girls. Hi, I love you. I hope you're all having a great morning. But I'm so glad that you've continued to choose to worship God with us because I believe that when we connect our hearts to God through worship, it makes us able to endure even the most difficult suffering. God, guys, we are here for you. Please let us know if you need anything. We are here to help you. And if you have a prayer request, please type it in the chat and share it with everybody so the whole congregation can be sharing with you. Today we continue our sermon series on what happens after this life. Last week we talked about the most beautiful place, about heaven, the, what we get to go to, how it's, it's more wonderful than we could ever possibly imagine and that we actually believe in life after life after death. And one day God is going to remake the heavens and the earth. And everything is going to be incredible. If you haven't had a chance to, to watch that, the last couple sermons about heaven, I invite you to go back and, and, re, and, and watch those. Share them with a friend. Because it is something we can put our hope in. and helps us to live the way that God calls us to live now. And bring heaven on earth through our actions. But that brings up a question. What happens to those whose life are so full of sin that they cannot choose to serve God as Lord and Savior? They're not willing to put their faith and their allegiance in God, our Savior. What happens to them? There must be some sort of judgment on sin. Good morning, Carmela. It's good to see you this morning. There must be some sort of judgment on, car, on, on sin. N.T. Wright says, God is utterly committed to set the world right in the end. And that setting right must necessarily involve the elimination of all that distorts God's good and lovely creation. In particular, all that defaces image bearers, his image-bearing human creatures. So hey, that's what we're going to talk about. What is it that happens to those who choose to be away from God? Who refuse to be a part of serving God in this life? and in the next. Good morning to you as well, Donita. Today we're going to talk about hell. What is it, why it's important, and how it matters to us. So we're doing something a little bit different today. I have what I call the peanut gallery <laughs> with me this morning, and they're going to answer questions as I'd like for you to answer the questions as well on live. And so I want to ask them, uh, if, if when you think of hell, what is it that you think of? First, Ashley's allergic to peanuts, so we, we can't be So literally, yeah. hell for Ashley <laughs> is being with peanuts. Is peanuts. <laughs> well, so, um, gosh, when you think of hell, what do you think of? Well, first, I know that everyone, I typically hear around me, uh, you know, fire and brimstone and, uh, you know, forks and constant, um, just horror that's, you know, right here. And I, you know, my thoughts about hell uh, kind of just going by um, glimpses of how Satan works. Um, Y'all, I, for me, hell is a constant, constant sorrow, constant pain, constant hurt, constant tears, um, depression, like all those, all those low moments um, of life um, that are just so excruciating and, and painful. Um, that's what I picture hell like every day and, and how mm -hmm. torturing um, that is. Just, a, just torture, torture. Yep. 
Thank you for sharing. So homeschooling my children right now? <laughs> Ashley says homeschooling her children. Yeah, mine's and like Ashley. a combination of that and like Hades and Hercules. Uh-huh. You know oh, I mean? yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so like, yeah, it's kind of like a mixture of like the devil with a pitchfork and, you know. And that. we'll get to this in a moment, but Hades is actually mentioned in Scripture That's really right. interestingly. Right. So this matters to us because it matters in how we live. Um, we have some answers um, the absence of God's presence. Yes, John, I think, and we'll get into that in a minute. Claire, I think that's incredibly powerful, living in the past, like your same past over and over, and, and we'll share about that in a minute. But this is so incredibly important because we want to enjoy the afterlife with our loved ones. All I remember is that they're loading me oh, up we're into early the back on the, video. Of the oh, That's great. We want to enjoy the afterlife with those that we love, and the only hope that we can give them is through a relationship with Jesus. And, and as we were talking about, hell is not a pleasant place. So we're going to talk about what that looks like. But there's another piece to this too. You know, Jesus most often refers to hell as a place called Gehenna. Now, Gehenna was an actual physical destination. You can walk in the valley of Gehenna today. And it, what it was is a place where they threw their trash and they burned it. And so Jesus, when he's talking about sin, it says your life will be a burning pile of trash. That your life will be a burning pile of garbage. And so what he's warning against, in addition to whatever consequences come after this life, is that when we choose to sin, we bring hell on earth. And so we need to warn people of the dangers of sin and that it can cause hell in this life and in the next. So what is hell? Let's take a moment to watch a video about some people who had some near-death experiences of what hell was like for them. And all I remember is that they're loading me up into the back of the ambulance. And I hear this voice that says, just give up. I had known from some time in that afternoon that I was dying. I never thought to pray, never thought about God. I knew that there was no life after death. And so the thought of death was just extremely terrifying because it just means end. I went into a spiral of depression, and it led me to active alcoholism at 21 years of age. My dad checked me into a hospital, and the second night that I'm there, my vision instantly went black. I'm now down, descending lower and lower into nothingness. I just keep falling and falling and falling. It feels like somebody grabs me and drops me in this outer darkness, and I start racing down this black tunnel. And so as I'm going down, the next thing that comes to my head is, oh my God, I I died and I'm going to hell. The people encircled me and kind of started leading me. As we journeyed, I'm aware I can't see anything anymore. It's pitch black. One study done of people who reported near-death experiences and 23% actually had hellish experiences. So not every near-death experience is uh, blissful. At this point, I'm feeling more and more anxiety, more and more uh, pain than I even I, I felt on my worst day alive. There was no doubt in my mind, the hell of the Bible, this is where I am, this is where I'm gonna be forever. It's almost like there's an absence of hope, there's an absence of love, it's the absence of God. So I said, I'm not going any further. And they said, oh yes, you are. So they started to tug at me and push at me. And then that became biting and tearing and they were taking pieces of me. In my study of these hellish near-death experiences, a high percentage of people go on to make positive changes in their life. They become better people. They learn to face that fear, guilt, anger, those negative things they were dealing with in their life before they had that experience. 
I get to this place of desperation where I cry out to the Lord and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord comes down and I feel the presence of God. And in that place, I heard a voice. The voice said, pray to God. Our Father who art in heaven. I remember like these phrases out of prayers and the people around me absolutely can't bear it. They would retreat further and further away. A thought comes into my heart, just one word. And so I yell, yes, into nothingness. I realized at that moment that who I said yes to was Jesus. So I was saying yes to him, and he was giving me that second chance. Wow. These folks had a near-death experience. And we don't really know what actually happened, but their experience was a place that was very unpleasant. And what's interesting is that it was so vivid, so real to them, that many of them made life changes, some even, as you heard, giving their life to Christ and choosing to live differently, live following Christ as Lord and Savior. So as we talk about hell, I think we first need to talk about sin. The most common word for sin in the New Testament is the word homartial, which means missing the mark. It means God has designed a way for us to live, and we choose to live differently. Just to go back to the, the chat, Debbie, thanks for sharing that, that hell is a place of darkness so deep that fear reigns. So sin is missing the mark, right? It's when we get distracted from God's plan. N.T. Wright talks about sin is actually not the source of the problem, that sin is the symptom. But the source of the problem is idol worship. Now, you might think, okay, David, I don't have some little statue of a goat-headed God in my house, so how can I be worshiping idols? Well, idols are anything that we give divine value to that have earthly value. So basically, anytime we put something over God and we worship it as if it's God, then it is an idol. And out of that comes sin. And what's amazing is even good things in our life can be idols. Work can be an idol. Family can be an idol if we place that above God. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have a good work life or a good family life. God wants all those things for you. But what, what we're saying is that if you put it before God, now it's even more magnified if you put things like greed and the value of money before God. And then the sin leads to destruction. Sin is destruction between our relationships with each other and our relationships with God. It's the opposite of how we are called to live. And Romans 3.23 tells us that all, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But amazingly, and this is the most amazing story in humanity, is that God chose not to leave it that way. And at the proper time that God sent his one and only son into our world, this is what it continues to say in Romans verse, chapter 3, verse 24. But all are treated as righteous freely by his grace because of the ransom that was paid by Christ Jesus. Through his faithfulness, God displayed Jesus as the place of sacrifice where his mercy is found by means of his blood. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness in passing over sins that happened before. Jesus takes our place. Through his life, he shows us how to live. His death on the cross, we are saved. And through his resurrection, it vindicates everything and gives us hope to be the people of God. But for God to make all things new and to provide this paradise of a new heaven and earth, there has to be judgment on sin. And if you are not willing to make Jesus Lord of your life, you cannot be a part of what God is doing. Because you're saying, I will not let God rule my life, and therefore you can't be where God is, where there's no more pain or suffering, and especially no more 
sin. It just cannot happen. So I'm wondering if, if our, our panel can share a time where they have missed the mark and caused other pains with their choice. Well, being an adult, I hope I make better choices, but I go back all the way to where I was a teenager. Have experience with those? Just a few years ago. Just a, just a few years ago. I think it was two years ago. Two years ago. I, I, if I didn't get my way or I didn't like what my parents were setting the rules for me, I would say things intentionally to hurt them just because I felt hurt. Mm. Yeah, I, I, in that, Ashley, absolutely. It's a, a lot of times it's a, a, a just a, a knee-jerk reaction, right? Sometimes you don't even realize it and we end up hurting the other person. Um, you're right, we like to think that as adults that we, we would make better choices, but um, I can tell you now that I've recently hurt a very dear person of mine, not intentionally, but because I was so caught up in uh, idolizing my time, idolizing, honestly, my, um, my mental state and my emotional state, um, I was in a pretty deep valley at the time and didn't realize that a friend of mine had really needed me, and I was just, yeah. I wasn't, I was, ended up unintentionally being dismissive yeah. and um, I really hurt her and um, and that made me that stopped me in my tracks it was like okay what am I what am I focusing on that I shouldn't be focusing on in those times when people need my help my friends need my help um, and uh, even more recently just this week in my devotion God said hey you're idolizing things that you don't even realize you're idolizing your thoughts too much guys that's what sin is it's creating idols out of things that don't have divine value. And thankfully, uh, Amy, in, when you're talking about that, because we have Christ, we can receive forgiveness when we do make those mistakes. But if our world is just full of sin, there is no forgiveness, right? That forgiveness comes from God. And so it's important to note that Jesus cared deeply about this world. That it wasn't just talking about the world to come. That's important. Don't get me wrong. That's why we're doing a whole sermon series on it. But this world matters to God and how we live in it, how we act, and how we treat one another. And so Jesus used an interesting analogy when talking about hell. He often referred to a place called Gehenna, which, like I said, Gehenna was this valley outside Jerusalem where they literally burned trash. And so when Jesus would talk about hell, he would say, you know, when you do this, when you have these actions, you're making your life a burning pile of trash. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, and, uh, and this is the Sermon on the Mount when he's going around. And again, before it had all been about following rules, right? To avoid sin was about following rules. But Jesus was, was saying that we need to get past that. We need to have a kingdom heart. And we need to think about God and other people and this new way of living, right? Made par- par- possible by the Holy Spirit. But this is what he says in, in 522. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. He's saying they'll be in danger of Gehenna, the giant burning pile of trash. That's what you make your life. And so when we do things that break relationships with other people, we cause the earth to be a burning pile of trash, a burning pile of garbage. And that is the point that Jesus is trying to get across. And again, in, in verse 29, he says, it is better, if your right eye causes you to sin, it is better for you to tear it out and throw it away than to have your whole body thrown into hell. And if your arm causes you to sin, it's better to have it cut off than to, have it th- than to be thrown bodily into hell. Again, he's using that word Gehenna. 
And so the point, again, that he's making is not that Jesus wants us to rip out our eyes or cut off our arms, and not that we necessarily go to hell because of specific sins, because his followers, he's talking to his followers at this point, we know that we are able to go and have the afterlife in heaven with God because of our faith and our allegiance in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But what he's, the point he's making as he makes a bit of a hyperbole is to say that your actions cause sin, cause sin and your actions cause destruction, not just for yourself, but for other people. And I think he is, too, re- referring to the afterlife as well, that the afterlife is like a burning pile of trash. What powerful and evocative imagery that is, Right? Uh, there was a time that I was at a homeless shelter, and there was a pastor. He was, he, it was, they had a biker church, like that super cool biker church. Um, and this pastor in the 70s was a drug addict, and he was in jail. And he had this dream that he died and went to hell. And what hell was, was that his sin on earth for him, which is injecting himself with heroin, and the addiction, that his sin in hell, or the, the, the effects of hell was, that he still continued to sin, and he still dealt with the consequences of his drug use, the addiction, and all the problems, but without any kind of physical satisfaction. So perhaps that's what hell is, and perhaps that's what Jesus is talking about in this when when referring to Gehenna, is that it's continuing to do the same sin over and over without any kind of satisfaction. You know, if that's the case, for me, hell would be probably drinking Diet Dr. Pepper over and over and over again, as I'm doing right now, and it tasting terrible. But the setting all joking aside, for me, it would be seeking the approval of other people and never getting it. What about you guys? What would hell be if it was the same sin that you struggle with here over and over again in the afterlife? Uh, I think it would... Um, and y'all answer to you online. It, would, it might not be something that's done over, but just the absence of, of compassion and love. Wow. Yeah. The absence of friends, the absence of family, the absence of my, my children, um, not being able to touch, hold, kiss, see um, them. Um, and, you know, the, the, that, that, I think, for me, would be extreme hell. Wow. Thank you, Josh. I'd love to hear from you guys what you think it would be. A few other things that Jesus talks about when he's referring to hell. One is a place of fire. And, and again, kind of going back to the flaming pile of trash. I want to really make that clear. Hell is a flaming pile of garbage. But fire can be used to, to torture. It can be used for pain. It can be used for suffering. But fire also has other uses in Scripture. Scripture talks about the purifying fire. Think about Isaiah 6, where um, Isaiah is brought before the throne and this fire, he's given a coal and it's touched to his lip and it purifies him. Think about making something better. Fire is used to take wheat and make bread. So it's interesting, and we'll save that thought for later, that fire is more than just pain and suffering. Fire can also have other effects as well. Another place that's talked about is the outer darkness, and that when people who don't live a kingdom life, they're sent to this place of outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oftentimes, when people have near-death experiences, they're given a life review, and they're showed everything they did, both good and bad. And perhaps that's the purpose for this outer darkness, this place of separation and loneliness, is to have to deal with, um, with this pain and suffering of what you've done in this life over and over again. Um, a few answers on the chat. Debbie, um, 
She says she writes books, but afraid that you'd get it back with notes all over it, right? Uh, Derek says, hell, being stuck in women's dillards with no husband's chairs or internet for hours is my wife's shop. Um, and with both kids, right? Uh, Debbie Palmer, my hell would include no human touch. I'm a hugger. And these two past months have been hell. Debbie, I think that's so true. Like, we, we realize that what goes on in this world, we can experience hell in this world. And I know there's many people, Ashley, would agree. I, I've said that many times. <laughs> uh, that not getting affection is hell on earth, especially for those who, who don't have other people in their household all the time. Can I add yeah, to ahead. that? I was just actually saying this morning, you know, I, those of you that know me and are around me, I'm very, very expressive, especially with my face, my facial expressions. And having a mask on, no, like this is serious. It's funny, but it's, but it's serious. Um, every time I have to put a mask on, I, I can't, I feel so choked. Like I can't express myself. And, and that is hellacious to me. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> There's one more passage I want us to look at in talking about hell. And this is an interesting one because it's a parable. And Jesus is not talking about the afterlife in the parable. The point of this parable is about justice. It's about a rich man who ignores a poor person who lives outside of his gates every single day. And then even when they go to, the, to what the, we'll talk about as Hades, the rich man is still trying to get the poor man to serve him in the afterlife. Can you believe that? It's, this is about justice. So, but in the parable, what's interesting is Jesus kind of affirms the general understanding of the Jewish afterlife of the time. So let's dig into it. Starting with uh, 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man who clothed himself in purple and fine linen and who feasted luxurious every day. At his gate lay a certain poor man named Lazarus who was covered in sores. Lazarus longed to eat the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table and said dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man was carried away and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. And the rich man died and was buried. While being tormented in the place of the dead, he looked up and saw Abraham at a distance with Lazarus at his side. And he shouted, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue because I'm suffering from this flame. So what's described here, described here they use the word Hades, which is, comes, their, their translation in the Greek of the Hebrew word Sheol. I know we're getting a little confusing, but stick with me. <laughs> and Sheol was a place where all the dead would go, the righteous and the unrighteous. The righteous would go into what's called Abraham's bosom, which is kind of a weird word, I guess, to say. But, uh, and then the unrighteous would be put in this place of darkness, torment, suffering, Hades, maybe kind of like the Greek understanding of Hades, um, which is uh, the word they use. And, and what's interestingly is, the, is most of the original text of the Apostles' Creed talks about Jesus descending to the, to the dead or descending to hell. And so perhaps he went to this place of Sheol, and he brought the people from Sheol to heaven to be with God. But the Jewish belief was that all people would be resurrected on the day of the Lord and brought before the throne, then judged, and then the righteous would live forever and the unrighteous would perish. This is fascinating because we never talk about an idea of everyone being resurrected, but this is, this is kind of what Jesus affirms. And when we look in Revelation in a minute, that's what is shown. So what has surprised you guys so far about the characterizations of hell? Well, for me, definitely, um, this brought about a lot of emotion. And I was overwhelmed and I wept when I read um, the actual Imagine Heaven book. Mm -hmm. And it just is to, to picture being completely separated from Christ 
and in the darker outer level um, to be completely separated. That was just torment for me to think of the people that I know that do not have Christ in their life and I just wept for them and I just, it makes me emotional now to think of and I just can't imagine those people that I love so much not having him. It's just awful. Um, So it's just them crying out and when you read in the book them crying out and then and then Christ just rescues them I think about that and to think about my own life and the times that I have walked away from Christ or been distant in my walk with him I just think gosh I can't believe just those tiny parts of my life that I was and then I came back to him and I can imagine him rejoicing and how the love that I get from him is just amazing, and to imagine being eternity like that is just awful. Yeah. And um, just reading it, it just is just it was overwhelming. Yeah. To be honest with you, it was just completely overwhelming, um, and just the torment that these people felt. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one last thing we want to look at is from Revelation. Chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, this is what it says. Then I saw a great white throne and the one who was seated on it. And before his faith, both heaven and earth fled away, and there was no place found for them. I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the scrolls were open. Another scroll opened too, the scroll of life. And the dead were judged on the basis of what was written in the scrolls about what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death and the grave gave, it, gave up the dead that were in them. And people were judged by what they had done. Then death and the grave were thrown into the fiery lake. This fiery lake is the second death. Then any whose name wasn't found written into the scroll of life was thrown into the fiery lake. So again, this is very similar to the Jewish understanding of the afterlife, this, this great day of judgment where all the dead are brought before God. And it's interesting because it says they were judged on their works, but it doesn't say what ultimately gets their name written in the book of life. Now, again, as followers, we believe that it's our faith and allegiance in Jesus as Lord and Savior that gets us written but everyone kind of sees what they've done and they're judged based on those actions. And then all who are resurrected are then in the Revelation 21 passage of the new heaven and the new earth. And it's just this beautiful and glorious place where there's no more sin. I cannot stress enough that if you cannot let Jesus be the Lord of your life and remove sin from your life, because as we worship sin and we idolize things, our life becomes more and more caught up in sin, right? And so to be with God forever, Jesus has to be our Lord, and we have to be obedient. Otherwise, we can't be where God is. So what have we learned? First off, we learned there has to be a judgment because sin cannot be in heaven. We've talked about how heaven could be a place where we experience the same sin over and over again without any kind of satisfaction, just dealing with the consequences. As many of you have shared on the chat, it seems like hell is a place of separation where we are away from God and that and in other people in relationships without human touch, just like we're experiencing kind of now. And we've talked about that we, when we choose to sin, we cause hell on earth. We turn the world into a great pile of flaming garbage, and the afterlife may be the same. Now, I think this passage is interesting, too, because some people believe in hell as this eternal conscious torment that you're just tortured over and over for all eternity. But this scriptures that we've looked at, and especially this last one, You know, there is no promise of eternity outside of following Christ. That is a gift for the followers of Christ. So perhaps what happens after this great day of judgment, as it says that you're sent into the the pit 
of fire, and it's the second death, you just cease to exist. This is not an evil thing. This is a mercy to not have to deal with the pain and suffering of hell for all eternity. Now, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about, a curiosity from these near-death experiences. These people you heard go to hell, and they experience it. They've died, and they go to hell, and then they cry out to God, and Jesus still responds. This is fascinating. Now, the author of Imagine Heaven says that it's, he thinks because they haven't fully died that, that that happens. I don't really find that totally um, as, as a good enough answer for me. And in fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 26, there's an interesting thing that we see. This says, this is after the sheep and the goat, and they're divided between the sheep who do what God tells them to, to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, take care of the stranger, and those who don't do it. And those who don't do it are, it says this, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous one will go to eternal life. So this, this word that is translated as eternal is actually the Greek word for age. So does it mean eternal or does it mean for an age until the day of judgment? And then the word punishment is really fascinating because the word used there is not the kind of punishment for someone that maybe we'd throw in prison, but kind of the correction that you would give a child, a disciplining. So is it possible that the whole purpose of hell, the whole purpose of what we've been talking about, is to discipline people to show them the consequences of their sin until they can cry out to Jesus? I can't say that for sure. All I can tell you is that the only way that we know for sure is by giving our life to Christ and worshiping Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that's why we have to share the good news of Jesus to everyone we meet as much as possible and share about all of the goodness of the life here and now and after that we possibly can. And it's important we do this because it's better for the person that they come to know Jesus in this life because they will experience abundant life here and now and they can look forward to the afterlife. They will experience hope even in the midst of the most difficult situations. It's better for them in the next life. Because wouldn't it be better to never have to experience hell at all? To never have to experience separation or fire or burning piles of garbage at all. No matter what it is. If we can just possibly share the good news of Jesus with those that we love and we care about. And love people as God loved us. And it is better for our world. Because church, we have an opportunity. We have a choice to make. We can bring heaven on earth through our actions by loving God and loving neighbor, or we can bring hell on earth by focusing on ourselves and continue to sin over and over and over again, and our neighbors to do the same, to share the good news of Jesus so that no one has to experience hell in this life or the next. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.